everyone, I'm Amanda. And I'm Jackie. Welcome, Welcome to, to Everyday, Everyday Anxiety. Anxiety, where we talk about our everyday lives facing anxiety. Before we start, we just want to say that we are not licensed therapists. And the content we are talking about may be triggering for some. If you find yourself in a tough place where you feel as though you can't go on, please contact the Suicide Prevention Hotline at 800-273-8255. Hey Jackie, how's your home? It's good, but I'm missing you here. I know. We decided to do Zoom this time around just with all the COVID things going around and sicknesses. I know people who have gotten the flu. It's just all over the place. So we decided to do a little bit um, of self-isolation while also Mm -hmm. podcasting. Yeah. So this is going to be a little different, but hopefully you guys don't notice too much of a difference. Yes. Hopefully we have all of our equipment set up correctly. (laughs) Just luck, guys. (laughs) Yes. So what are we talking about today? Comparative suffering. (laughs) Yes. I'm so excited about this topic. This is one that I'm like super passionate about and had a really good time chatting with you beforehand, just like getting ideas and figuring out what our ideas of comparative suffering is. Yeah, so, because I didn't know a, a bunch about this topic because I just I'd never really looked into it. And then mm-hmm. when you brought it up, I was like, oh, this is kind of something that I feel like everybody relates to that everybody goes through. And I didn't really notice that we were going through it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I think especially during this pandemic, people can really relate. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of break down for you guys what all we're going to be covering in this episode, obviously comparative suffering, and we're going to break it in, down into a few different categories. So the first one is defining comparative suffering. What is it? We've got some good definitions. Um, the next category is going to be why comparative suffering does more harm than it does good. Mm-hmm. The third one is we're talking about comparative suffering specifically during a pandemic. That's a good topic because yes. while we're in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who is not dealing with this pandemic right now? Exactly. I think we all are. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the last two topics, um, we're going to talk about how your suffering is valid. Your suffering is real. And then for the last category, we're going to give examples from Amanda and I's personal lives of comparative suffering and how we do it kind of both ways. So yeah, really excited to dive in. I'm excited as well. So with our first one, um, comparative suffering, I'm just going to give a general definition and then we can kind of build on that. So comparative suffering happens when individuals try to make sense of their own pain by comparing it to others people, other people's pain. We all do this to a certain extent. The benefit, of course, is to help us establish perspective. The danger is that it minimizes the legitimacy of our feelings. Basically, to kind of sum that up a little bit, it's we are comparing our situations to other people's situations. And then from that, either saying we have it worse, better, or vice versa. Yes. This is such a good definition. Or it resonates with me a lot. And I know it does with you as well, that it just help, helps us understand why we do it because it does establish perspective. That mm-hmm. is a benefit to it. But the problem with comparative suffering is that it makes us kind of put shame on our feelings. Like we shouldn't 
we shouldn't feel this way because other people have it worse. But that just creates, yeah, those stupid shoulds. (laughs) Exactly. So for example, um, a definition from withtherapy.com, comparative suffering involves feeling the need to see one's suffering in the light of other people's pain. In other words, people who think in terms of comparative suffering may believe that they suffer more than someone who missed their bus but less than a starving child. Oh, that's just such a dangerous comparison. It's like apples and oranges. That whole phrase, it just, that really points it out for me. So comparative suffering minimizes our experience. And that kind of leads us into our next topic of why comparative suffering does more harm than good. So do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Well, so I guess... A good example that I have for that is it can make you bitter and, you know, bitterness doesn't like help you or motivate you at all. So a good example I have of that is when my friend told me that he was getting a house basically paid for by his parents and I have been saving consistently for a while now to be able to make that dream come true for myself. My first initial thought was, well, what did you do? Like, how did Mm -hmm. you struggle? How did you try and get where you're going? How, like, what have you done for yourself? Well, that's not helpful. One, Mm -hmm. he's a great friend, so he wasn't very mean about it. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. he was like, you know, you have to think like, you know, being resentful or jealous or anything like that does not help either of us, right? And now don't get me wrong. I'm extremely happy for him. Like, congrats. Like, that's an awesome thing to have. But my first initial thought was like comparative. Like, I've been Mm -hmm. struggling. I've been suffering. I've been doing this thing for years now to try and make something of my dreams come true and you get it handed to you. It just, it kind of, I was comparing a lot and it's just not something that was healthy for the friendship or, you know, or myself. It wasn't a good, and now this just happened. So (laughs) I'm still on the, like trying to figure out a good mentality to have about it, but I definitely fall into this category of like, it can make you bitter. It can make you resentful if you do not recognize what it is right away. Yes. Um, So that's like, I think one of the first things is like just recognizing that you're comparing the situations. Both of our situations, mine and his are completely different, totally Mm -hmm. different backgrounds, totally, you know, nothing in our life has ever been the same. So why would I compare the situation that he is now in to the one that I'm in? Right. Just Uh, because he got something that you've been working your butt off for Mm -hmm. just because he got it handed to him doesn't mean that he doesn't experience suffering in his life exactly exactly it's just it's just different and i and that's where you kind of run into resentment issues luckily i i don't resent him (laughs) yeah so that's really good have acknowledged it i think that's a good point you brought up is that we're gonna we're gonna just do that because we're humans and we judge things Mm -hmm. and I think it's just good to bring awareness to it like okay I had that judgment but it's not true like he still he still deserves to feel his feelings right exactly yeah so that was that's my little um I guess example of my comparative suffering that was on the negative side (laughs) um but it can make you feel as though once I realized that it can also make you feel on the opposite end of 
you know, maybe my suffering, you know, isn't all it's cracked up to be, you know? So I'm like, oh, well, he gets a house handed to him. But then in my mind, I also think like, well, you know, people don't even have roofs of their heads. People don't even have like the simple luxury that I actually have gotten. So then now I'm on the other end of like, okay, well, I don't really deserve to be upset about this whole situation because, you know, people have it far worse than I do. And I'm actually lucky for this. So then I got caught in the middle. (laughs) Yes. Then you're minimizing your feelings instead of before you were minimizing his feelings, not on purpose, not with any bad intention, but now you're minimizing your own feelings doing that. Exactly. I think we all do that (laughs) to some some degree. (laughs) Exactly. So what about you? What do you feel? Do you have any examples of something where you felt either one way or the other about it? For me personally, growing up without a lot of money and now I'm, you know, doing okay for myself, you know, I'm not, I'm not super poor, but I'm not definitely not rich. Right. Um, It's hard for me to sometimes empathize with people who do have a lot of money because I'm like, well, okay, well, what, what problems do you have? Like you can afford to eat whatever food you want. You can afford all your bills. You don't have to stress about mortgage or whatever it is. Um, But that's not healthy because then it builds resentment, bitterness, jealousy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I think to myself that they don't deserve or that their suffering is not as valid as my suffering. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Right. And I'm working on acknowledging that it's. It's hard, but knowing that is really helpful. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, when I think about my own suffering and how I'm maybe feeling extra depressed or anxious, I think, well, I haven't lost any loved ones to COVID. I still have my job. I still have my house. I don't deserve to feel this way. I don't, I should be thankful and happy that I have all these things. And I need to reserve all of my empathy, care, and love for the people who deserve it more than I do, mm-hmm. which leads us into the next point that I yes. think is a really difficult thing to grasp um, and to practice, but it's so important and I love talking about it. So yes. do you want to talk about scarcity? Yes. Scarcity, scarcity. is, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like scarcity, by the way. Just whoever likes the English language. Um, But scarcity is... Sometimes I'm dumb, y'all. It's okay. No, you're not dumb. (laughs) I'm not a dumb person, but, you know, sometimes things happen. (laughs) Blonde roots show. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) But scarcity is... I don't... I think they call it the scarcity rule from what I remember. And I actually, up until recently... and probably currently still kind of follow this rule a little bit too much. When you are in a situation where you don't feel like you have enough to give, you hoard, you know, your feelings, your emotions, your love, your empathy, all of those things are just kind of hoarded in your body because you're you're thinking in your mind, if I give out a little bit, so you know, Jackie needs a little bit of empathy right now. I'm gonna give a little bit to her, but I have to keep the rest of it because I can't give it out to everybody. Well, empathy is infinite. Just like love is infinite. All of the emotions, they're all infinite, but your mind treats it as if I give it away, then I will not have any left for myself. 
So then you just feel as though if you don't keep it to yourself, you're just going to run out. But that's just not how it works. And I fall into this a lot. But the thing that's really awesome about empathy is because it is infinite, it's easier when you're more empathetic towards yourself and your feelings and how you're feeling. You actually see and understand other people's struggles and you're more empathetic towards them. So when you breed empathy within yourself, you also, you know, share more of it with the world. So the scarcity thought process is actually backwards from what you should really be thinking. It's the more empathy you give and have, the more and more and more that you will give freely. And I think that's just really important to remember as an emotion, it doesn't just run out um, like we think it does. (laughs) Yes. So well said. Yeah. I think of like empathy, understanding how another person feels, love, care, whatever it is. I, when I'm comparative, when I'm comparing suffering, I, in my mind, I think, okay, I have a hundred points worth of empathy or understanding. And when some really rich person is upset that they're alone in their 10,000 square foot house with a pool and a view, I'm like, um, they get like 0.5% empathy and I get the rest. (laughs) Or it's like, oh, this person just lost their job, just lost their spouse, just can't afford healthcare, whatever it is, they get 100 points of my empathy and I get zero. Mm -hmm. But like you said, empathy is not finite. It's infinite. So I really have an endless amount of empathy that I can give a ton of understanding and empathy towards that rich person with the pool being like, they're suffering because this is hard. It's a, it's a tough time just because they have things that I don't have. Doesn't mean that their suffering is invalid. And then on the flip side, that person who just lost their job and their family members and can't afford healthcare and whatever else, they deserve all the care and empathy because it's really hard. But then I also deserve empathy, just as much empathy and love as they do Mm -hmm. because my suffering is still real. Right. Um, So it's whenever I feel myself like picking out of my imaginary empathy basket, (laughs) it's like, okay, no, no, no. It's not a basket. It's like you have, you have an endless amount. You're swimming. Yeah. You're swimming in it. Yeah. And it is, like you said, it's easier to, once you start showing yourself more empathy, you realize you kind of open your eyes to, wow, there really is an endless amount of love and empathy I can give. And it's so much easier to like, just throw it all over the place. Right. Exactly. <laughs> when yeah, I, I totally think that's valid. And like you said, like your suffering is valid. The, you know, imaginary rich person that we're talking about, <laughs> their feelings are valid. You know, maybe they're, you know, stuck at home alone. Isolation mm-hmm. is a huge suffering point right now. Yes. And that's super important to remember. So like things like that, and those are just like a couple examples, but just remembering that your suffering in any situation is valid. And I think we've fallen into this place, especially during the pandemic, of how we suffer in a system of 
you know, with these people that are losing lives, with these people that are losing, you know, loved ones and homes and jobs. It's super easy to fall into comparative suffering. With the pandemic, we are in a constant state of nervousness or like unrest. And our bodies aren't really made for that. Our bodies are made to have, you know, something is scary. We feel that rush and then it stops and the scary thing goes away and then our bodies Mm -hmm. reset. Well, with the pandemic, that's just not how it has been happening. (laughs) It's still a constant. We've been going over like we're a little, I think our first case was found in January. So I think we're a year in, right, of, of this pandemic. And it's just our nervous system is on full alert for Mm -hmm. literally over a year straight with really no rest. Exactly. And that's just, we're in a constant of fight, flight, or freeze. Like we have to figure out what we're going to do in this situation. And each situation that pops up, we have to then reevaluate and reevaluate and reevaluate. And normally you have a break. And right now I feel like we just don't have that. Right. Um, No one really does. No. And so with that, I think you just feel always off balance and always trying to figure out where to go next and like what the new norm is. Yes. To your point about the loss of or trying to find normal again, um, the loss of normal is heartbreaking and Mm -hmm. involves suffering, even if your loss of normal is that you can't go out to your favorite bar. You can't go get massages like you used to. You can't go to a group fitness class or, um, you know, things that don't seem like a big deal, but there you lost this part of your life that you really liked. And that's sad. That's hard. Mm Um, and there's a really good quote that, um, we thought was good to share that goes, if you withhold compassion just because you think other people have it worse, you're not in any way helping those people who you think have it worse. You're not helping anyone, Mm -hmm. which I think we've kind of covered that you withholding compassion for yourself or from someone else is doing the world more harm than good. Right. So even those people that have lost jobs, that have lost you know, all these different things throughout the pandemic, even even being able to go to the gym, things like that. And you're comparing and you're saying, oh, my gosh, they have it so much worse. What can I do to help? Great that you want to help. But you're also now that you're not feeling your own feelings and thinking that you're suffering, that turns into things like resentment and bitterness and things because you're obviously not taking care of yourself and being empathetic. So what really should happen, I say should not should, but (laughs) what can happen is, you know, you take care of yourself. You understand that you're also suffering along with these people and you make it more of a um, group effort versus a, I need to help this person because they have it worse. It's no, we are struggling together as a unit, as a, you know, country, as a world. And in order to help everybody, we can all step up in different ways. Um, and just kind of support one another through it because we're all having suffering versus, you know, trying to compare with one another. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, something that we really want to 
make clear is that your suffering is valid. Like Mm -hmm. it's you're you're feeling basically like your feelings are real. And just because your friend lost its parent, lost their parent and you can't go to the gym doesn't mean that you can't be upset by both of those things that you can't allow yourself to feel those feelings. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of people saying like, especially weddings around this time, this past year, a lot of them have had to be canceled. And every time that comes up, a lot of people are saying, you know, my wedding's canceled, but I totally understand because people are dying. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But your wedding was still canceled. That's supposed to be, you know, a highlight, one of the highlights of your life. That's terrible. That's not Mm -hmm. fun. That's not, you know, you're suffering. You, you feel a loss there. And to say that you're not suffering because people are dying is not, helpful you know yeah feel that loss feel that grief and then that way you can kind of you know work through that grief and that feeling and come out on the other side prepared and ready to help people that have had like family losses or things like that but if you don't feel that then you're just like well all these people are dying but you know my wedding is gone and (laughs) you know then you just you don't feel validated And that that is a big thing. It's a big part of life. Uh, Celebrations are a big part of life. And we haven't Mm -hmm. had those recently. So in order to help people that are suffering, you have to also like the good and the bad come. Um, Like you have to recognize the good in order to recognize the bad. Yeah. So things like weddings are kind of counteractive of death and, you know, bad things that happen in your life. So just remember that as like, a thing if your birthday was canceled like I didn't really do anything for my birthday this year if your wedding was canceled things like that are okay to mourn yes um, it's it's grief you should you know you can feel those things so and if anyone makes you feel bad for having those feelings then they're, they're just wrong <laughs> like your feelings are valid I've just seen a lot of like shitty comments of people like oh boo-hoo your wedding's canceled or you shouldn't be sad because your birthday dinner got canceled there's bigger things going on in the world okay yes there can be bigger things going on in the world but you can also feel sad and disappointed and upset like feel those feelings they're real Mm -hmm. not everything is standard like it's hard because of x y and z It's not hard because you did something wrong. It's not hard because, you know, we're in a pandemic. It's hard just because it's hard, you know? And so I say that because my therapist tells me that all the time. (laughs) And I was always trying to figure out a logical reason of why. But why is it hard? (laughs) But why, why is this so hard for me? Why is this such a big deal? Why is this, you know, my wedding was canceled, but, you know, people are dying. Why is this so tough? And she's like, well, it's just hard because it's hard. It's just, you know, everybody has a moment in life. It's just hard because it's hard. So just keep that in mind is it's not always for a reason. It's not always because you did something or the pandemic did something. It's just Mm -hmm. hard because it's hard. Yeah. Life has hard spots. That's where we grow. Exactly. Even though they're not fun to grow in. No, (laughs) definitely not fun. (laughs) 
And we'll, so we'll close that section out with a quote before moving to our last category of examples. Um, But there's a quote from Center Psychotherapy reading, burying feelings and pretending your struggles aren't real doesn't help anyone. Be grateful for all that is good in your life, but remember to give your space, yourself the space to feel your truth. This is a challenging time for all of us. Acknowledging your struggles will help you grow awareness, gain perspective, and grow your empathy muscle. I love empathy muscle. Yes. That's such a good way to put it. It is. Every time you work out a little bit, your muscles grow. So why not work work on your empathy muscle? (laughs) Yes. And so I think we um, gave a couple of examples already like through throughout, but um, I think we both probably have a couple, maybe doesn't have to be pandemic related, but do you have any examples that come to mind um, for comparative suffering? So, so I do have one and I think it kind of relates to one that we talked about before recording, but so when we were, whenever this whole thing started out with the pandemic or just in life, I would come across in a way. So I, you know, I live alone. We're restricted to our homes. I don't really have a ton of interaction with others and I felt in my comparison, every time I went to complain or say something like, oh, I'm so lonely or I'm upset or something along those lines, I would actually kind of second guess in a scenario with anyone, but a lot of parents that I know, because I'm, I'm at the age where a lot of people have kids. And when that was happening, I was like, oh, well, I can't complain to this person or this person because they're dealing with at home parenting. They don't have, you know, um, daycare. So they're trying to work from home, trying to take care of their kid, trying to actually have self-care, also handling their like spouses, like, or not having spouses around single parent. Like there's just so many things that they're dealing with. And it's just me. I only have to deal with me. And my, (laughs) my sister actually said something that really like stuck with me. She was like, we are all in our own personal hell. (laughs) And I was like, God, is that true sometimes? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what? And she was like, you are stuck alone in the middle of a pandemic with no outlets because we were shut down for a while. Still kind of are. You have nowhere to go. You have nobody that you can legally talk to (laughs) or see in person. She was just like, you're stuck alone. That's that's a hell that you have to live in. That I is also, so hard. Isolation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she was like, but I also, now her kids are great and she will say they're great, but working from home, having kids, trying to figure out how to parent, or <laughs> how to parent, trying to figure out how to parent I from mean, I'm home still trying while- to figure out how to parent, so. <laughs> but like just dealing with living with a full house is also like, you know, it's a struggle. I don't know that she would call it a personal hell, but it's a struggle, (laughs) you know? So we're on two opposite ends of the spectrum, but still going through something that can't be compared, you know, isolation versus being surrounded, Um, not having any outlets for the kids because everything was shut down. They wouldn't like, they're a very active family. They weren't able to go places and do things because, you know, and that kind of makes you go stir crazy. And it just kind of, really resonated with me of everybody was complaining and every, a, a complaining struggle, a 
is not a great word. Everybody was struggling and me holding back my struggles because I felt other people had it worse because, you know, they just had kids is not fair. We're all going through a personal struggle that is very different, but it's still a struggle. So I think that was one of my main examples of just, it kind of made me feel better that, you know, she recognized my struggle while I also recognized her struggle and we weren't saying on empathy. Exactly. And so that just kind of in my mind, I was like, oh, this is great. Like she understands where I'm coming from. I understand where she's coming from. And then we were able to spread empathy within our, with, with each other. And then it just grew, even though I felt like it was supposed to like, oh, I gave some to her. So now it's just gone from me. And she was like, no, I also feel for you. So then the empathy just kind of grew a little bit more. (laughs) And then I was able to talk to people like you. And I was like, oh, you know, if my sister feels this way and has kids and Jackie probably also feels this way, she probably feels for me also. And I also feel for her. And it just, you kind of see how it can just grow and grow and grow. So I think that's probably my biggest empathy comparative suffering from the pandemic was the one thing that I really learned. That's a great example. Thank you for sharing that. And I, yes, I feel the same way. Like we've talked about it as well, where, yeah, I have a kid, dog, husband here. It's full of completely different challenges Mm -hmm. than you being alone in an apartment. And like we both are dealing with different things, but we're both equally suffering. We're dealing with really tough emotions and Mm -hmm. change. Right. And you just can't compare them. Right. And then when you do talk about them, I see you, I hear you, I understand your, how hard it must be on your end. And then you feel the same about me. Like we share empathy and yeah, it just builds from there. And then it's, and then we build that connection to each other Mm -hmm. and it just feels so much better. Like there's no resentment. There's no judgment, bitterness. It's like, wow, you're human. I'm human. Let's be human together. (laughs) Like, I feel like it also, I feel like it also strengthens, strengthens relationships as well. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, not only empathy, but with empathy, you, you feel those things and then you're like, oh, okay. So then this person actually cares. They're more caring. And in that just, it creates more of a deeper relationship and friendship and thing like that. And that kind of thing, just because you're seeing their true colors, I guess you, you see how they care. You see how they're kind of voicing that. So definitely. So do you have any examples of comparative suffering, empathy, pandemic, non-pandemic situations? (laughs) Yes. I think one of the first things that came to my mind actually was when I was pregnant and then also right after I had my son. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was pregnant, I was nauseous 24-7. I like I actually I don't think I ever threw up or maybe I only did a couple of times, but I was just absolutely miserable. I smells made me sick. Everything made me feel terrible. And so when somebody would say, Oh, I have a headache. Or, yeah, I'm not feeling well, whatever it was. Basically, they're complaining about how they're feeling. I remember thinking, that's bullshit. You shouldn't (laughs) feel that way because you have no idea how I'm feeling. I'm feeling way worse than you are feeling. So you don't deserve to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened when, like, right after I had my son, I wasn't, you know, I was probably getting, like, an hour and a half of sleep a day. I mean, it was stupid. And I was so exhausted. And then if 
anyone. I don't care if I overheard it at the grocery store. I said, oh, I'm just kind of tired today. I was like, you don't know tired. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're relating to a lot of like newly pregnant or like <laughs> just having their baby people. I- <laughs> yes. And so that just that just created unnecessary anger, mm-hmm. bitterness, resentment for people who did get sleep. And And then uh, there was no empathy. I didn't, it was hard for me to see that other people's suffering was real because I, it was like scarcity. You know, I was, I was just worried about not having enough empathy for myself because I didn't have any empathy for myself Mm -hmm. or, well, did you have an overwhelming amount of empathy for yourself or so here's the difference. mm, Yeah. I don't know about this. Maybe I might just. Here's what I would think, and this can go into another podcast, but the difference between like empathy and what's the word? Like self-loathing, I guess. Yeah. So there's a difference between feeling pity for yourself and having empathy for yourself. So yeah. so self-pity would be like of taking the victim side of like, oh, I didn't get enough sleep. I, you know. Oh, poor me. Oh, no. Versus like being empathetic for yourself and saying something along the lines of like, I understand that I didn't get enough sleep. I, you know, I feel for myself, but also, you know, others around me also might not be in that same situation and might also be, you know, having these things happen. So I feel for myself and I understand of where I'm at. And it's okay for the the way that I'm I am right now. I understand I didn't get a lot of sleep. But then in like also caring about your feelings, right? So in a way of like, I'm empathetic because the way I'm reacting right now is because of low sleep and I understand that. So I have empathy towards my feelings and the resentment that I'm feeling. But then there's the self-pity if you're not doing anything about it. So if you're just going to be like, poor me, these people are terrible, but not understand that the reason you're feeling that way. And I think there's two very different things. Yeah. And you know what? Thank you so much for saying that. Cause that just like opened my mind to, I wasn't feeling empathy for myself. I was self-loathing self-pity. So it's kind of like when you are comparing, when you are comparing your suffering to others, it can lead to, or maybe it comes from self-pity and self-loathing. And also the more empathy that you allow yourself to see and feel, the more it grows, the more you have access to it. But when you mm-hmm. don't have empathy, it's hard to find it anywhere else. So comparative suffering, you can just get in this cycle of self-pity, victimizing and all that. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of hard to compare your suffering when you are full of empathy and love. Mm-hmm. And we're not all always constantly on that, like feeling good, feeling <laughs> like really aware of other people's suffering. And- yeah. Especially when you're getting one hour, like one hour sleep a day. Like there's just no way to be like, oh, I'm super empathetic today. <laughs> yes. You know, like it's just not, I mean, if you do that, that's awesome. It's just not going to happen. You're not yes. always going to be like, oh, I feel so sorry for others <laughs> or, you know, but now looking back, you can see where your empathy maybe lacked or where you could have had yeah. more empathy, I guess is a better way of saying it. You could have had totally. more empathy in those times. But you're also now, hopefully, having empathy towards yourself of yeah. how you felt during those times did not invalidate your feelings, but you can be more empathetic because of the situation that you were in. Totally. Oh, it's spot on. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm like, this is so nice because I'm realizing I'm like learning so much about myself. <laughs> I love podcast. it. I uh, had this conversation with my therapist literally a week ago. <laughs> Synchronicity. Synchronicity. I'm telling you, I was like, oh, this is where that comes in. And it just I never really understood when she explained it to me previously. But now I think it's helpful for me to look into other situations, like other people's situations, which is why I love that we talk back and forth because you'll come up with an example and I'm like, oh, that's what my therapist meant of like, this is how this is supposed to be relayed, you know, empathy versus self-pity and victimization, that kind of thing. They're two totally different things. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, they're the same. You giving an example, I'm like, oh, here's a perfect example. Now I can find it in my own life. Yeah. And figure out like, oh, so I see Jackie. She had less empathy. Now she has more empathy towards her previous self and older self. So now I can learn and say, oh, well, maybe I can have more empathy for my previous self who didn't know as much. And I'm learning from that. Oh, my gosh. I love love this. Whenever (laughs) you talk, it's like so many light bulbs go off for me. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Same here. It makes sense to me too. <laughs> Obviously, Amanda and I love each other, so we won't bore you guys with going back and forth anymore. But okay, I love you. And um, of course, one other you. thing. <laughs> one other thing I wanted to add is the problem with saying at least, Ooh. and I'm going to try my best to explain this. So something that I've done for most of my life, still do today, but a lot less, is when I'm suffering. So I'm feeling really down. I I haven't gotten my monthly massage, which was like a very, the only like self-care thing that I used to do for myself. And then that went out the window. So I'd be like, God, I it really sucks. But at least I have food on the table. At least I have a house, at least whatever. And while it's great that my intention is to practice gratitude for the things that I do have, Mm -hmm. saying at least minimizes my feelings that I'm sad or disappointed with something. Mm -hmm. So I guess I've been trying to figure out how to say it differently And so maybe you guys can like help me figure that out because I think it's different to say like, oh, yeah, your wedding got canceled, but at least you're engaged. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, yeah. (laughs) That's a perfect example, but it's just so funny because in my mind, I'm like, that's so not the point. (laughs) Exactly. It's not the point. Like you can be grateful, but, and I think a lot of us do this or I did anyway, when I used to try to make people feel better. Oh, about yeah. a situation and I'd be like, God, that sucks. I'm so sorry, but at least you don't have to do this or at least blah, 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 blah. Right. I and think really, I also probably still do that because I didn't even know that I was doing it. Same. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a common thing, but it, and it's like only oh my with gosh, good intentions. I just did that with a friend. Oh no, I'm going to have to apologize to her. <gasps> and I'm going to be like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean at least I meant, I'm so sorry for whatever was happening. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of times, like, yeah, it's great to have the positive pointed out. But when people are talking about their suffering, that's not what we usually want. Unless there's like wallowing or victimizing, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a different story. But if you're just suffering and you're explaining to your friend, oh, I'm suffering. (gasps) What what I want in that situation Mm -hmm. as a friend is just to be heard and like to be understood. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear things like, I'm so sorry that really sucks. 
Like, right. God, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a that's a bummer. I I can totally understand why you feel that way. Okay, I have a perfect example with me and you. Oh, okay, let's do it. Okay, so on our food podcast, and I cut this part out, I was editing it and you were talking about your body and how you were struggling with cleaning out your closet and you're really upset about it and your body's going through all these changes because you have a, a cute little baby and and just going through the pregnancy process totally changed how your body is. And you were talking about it. And at the very end, I made a statement that I I meant in good faith. Like I meant it. And I know you took it that way. But as I'm editing it, which is great that I can like kind of listen in and see how I'm reacting to you. But I say, you know what I would say? I would say that your body gave you a great little baby. And as I listened to myself <laughs> say that, I was like, how dare you, Amanda? How dare you? <laughs> Tell her that she should be thankful for having a kid instead of worrying about her body. Like, that's how my mind took it. And I was like, so she probably maybe didn't think about it at the time, but that's just, that's so invalidating of your feelings in that moment. That was not, and I, I can talk to Jackie about it because I'm pretty sure I probably texted her or something. I was like, so sorry. No, yeah. I think you already <laughs> apologized for this, but, which is so, I see, I don't even, I don't, I didn't remember it until you brought it up. Yeah. And I really like, I appreciate you saying that, like, cause I knew it came from a good place, right? but it does mean a lot that you're like, oh shit, I didn't, I wasn't validating your fe- feelings. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's just, I just wanted to put that example out there that like sometimes even in good intentions, mm-hmm. even when you're talking and, like with, you know, a friend, family, loved one, whatever, it, even in good intentions, if you're not there purposely listening to what they're saying, you can mistake something that you say and say like, you know, it's just, you invalidate their feelings by your response. So just yes. thinking of that, like in the future of like, you know, how you respond. If somebody's coming to you with a suffering, don't say, well, at least, you know, you got a cute baby out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's great that <laughs> don't you, you cute dare baby. say that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's so, true. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like your feelings are valid in whatever situation that you're in. And don't also don't or try not to. It's very hard, but try not to let somebody's response to how you're feeling invalidate yeah. your feelings in the moment as well. Um, yes, I struggle with that as well of, you know, if somebody responds poorly to me, then I take that to heart versus, well, I wasn't feeling great. They probably didn't think anything of it, but it's still, I'm still valid in the feeling that I have. So definitely. So, yeah. I think that's a very common thing is that a lot of us have grown up with our feelings invalidated by things mm-hmm. like this with good intentions right? and with also with people just not understanding how people feel mostly because they don't really understand how they themselves feel. Exactly. I feel like we're opening up like as a new, as the generations come on, the more things are being talked about, the more we're learning about ourselves. And I think it just opens up more communication, but I don't think it was as widely talked about when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like nobody really thought through those things that they're saying now out of habit. Yes. Um, everybody's taught to look on the bright side, but you know, sometimes it's important to learn from the bad side. So, exactly. Um, yeah. I think it's just trying to remember empathy, trying to remember having valid feelings. Your feelings are valid. Trying to validate others, having empathy for others. Just all of that kind of makes you I feel like a better person all around. <laughs> yeah. The more, the more you grow with yourself as you learn to 
grow with others. Yeah, it creates more connection, mm-hmm. more empathy creates more love and peace and just this feeling that we're all we are all connected and that we're feeling human beings with real emotions that are valid whether exactly. we understand them or not they are valid and um yeah you you deserve love and empathy no matter what exactly so i think we're going to end out the um this episode with a really good quote that Jackie actually found. And Jackie, I'll pass it over to you. You can go ahead. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. So this one from, I think it's envisionwellness.com. Remember, gratitude is being thankful for your blessings, not pretending that your struggles don't exist. Exactly. So we just thought that quote really tied everything together for this uh, episode And, you know, I just wanted to say thank you, Jackie, for hopping on here with me. I know it was a little bit of a technical craziness trying to figure out everything working on Zoom these days. Um, (laughs) Yeah, some technical issues, but we figured it out. And it is like I am acknowledging that I am sad that you're not here physically because it does feel different. I am also thankful that we could talk. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But I just wanted to say thanks for showing up and being here. And we can't wait to talk to you guys later. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye.